Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Science of Pokemon. My name is Veteran Lucas. Now this episode is actually a little bit of an extra one. Think of it as a, an experiment. So we are actually um, going to have a recording play after this. This is an interview I did with a friend of mine by the name of Scott Swenson. He is an influential piece of theater here in Tampa, but also a specialist in haunts and ghost stories. So we are going to be talking about ghost stories from a, an author's perspective. And then we're going to talk about ghost types. And the best part is he has never seen a ghost type. He doesn't know anything about Pokemon. So that's going to be the really, really fun part. I, I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. The audio is not the best. I apologize for that. What you're listening to now is me on a new microphone that I got specifically because the microphone in this one was so bad. So I do apologize. I hope you guys will stick with it. Please enjoy this episode. Uh, if you don't like it, let us know too. This gives us the best feedback. Again, it's an experiment. If you don't like it, we'll throw it out. If you like it, we do it again. Cue the music. All right, folks, so today we have a really special guest. He's been a great friend of me at my work, and he's one of the most influential people in Tampa, in my opinion. So this is a good friend of mine, Scott Swenson. Hi, Scott. Hey, Lucas. How you doing, buddy? I am doing really good. Now, can you tell these fine people why I dragged you onto the show about Pokemon? Because from our relationship, we know you know nothing about the game. I was going to say, I have no freaking clue why <laughs> you would want me on a show about Pokemon, because I really, I'm a complete, I'm a complete novice, but I do know a lot about the haunt, haunt industry, and I know about ghost stories and all things scary, so I'm assuming that that might have a little something to do with why I'm on your show. Yes, yes, the title is literally Ghastly Tales, so yes, yes, I do need your help. <laughs> I'm all about Ghastly. I, you know, you know me, I love Ghastly. So, so that's great. So what is it that you exactly do with Haunt Community? Well, it's interesting because I've been involved with the Haunt Community for many, many years now. Um, I was part of the team that started the Hallow Scream event at Bush Gardens in Tampa. And uh, I was a strong part of the creative team for the first 15 years of that. And then after I left Bush Gardens about five years ago, I've been involved with the haunt industry, uh, well, now internationally. I can, I can say that because I've, I've done work in Canada now. Um, but That's technically another country. That is technically another country, although not many people understand that, but it is. It's a very, it's a very different country. Oh, Canadians are going to hate me for that. But anyway. <laughs> it's okay. We only have a few of them on our show. They're lovely people, but now they hate you. I know. I apologize to all Canadians, although I must say... Um, I fell in love with Edmonton, Alberta when I was there. Anyway, um, so I've, I've basically created uh, storylines that are based on either, um, well, either things that pop out of my own imagination, or I've also done a lot that is based on local history, local legends, local stories. Um, so I've done a lot of l creation of live haunt performance, whether it's a, a walk-through haunted attraction like uh, Dark at Fort Edmonton Park in Edmonton, Alberta, or... Um, um, something that's more immersive theater, like the Vault of Souls in Tampa, or um, I've also done some work for SeaWorld San Antonio. And then over and above that, I'm also an author. I've written um, now four books of dark poetry and prose um, that focus a lot on paranormal, supernatural, and kind of my dark twist on sort of a, a sci-fi haunt story kind of thing. So um, I've told a lot of ghastly tales in my day. So do you actually believe in ghosts? I did want to get that out of the way. Um, I have been on multiple paranormal research experiences in, in different places, really around the country. Um, as far 
as far away from, well, I'm based in Tampa, so as far away from me as the Queen Mary in California, and then also some of the most haunted buildings here in Tampa. And I will say I have experienced things that I cannot explain. Um, so am I a believer? Well, I mean, let's face it, today's science is yesterday's magic. So the, just because I don't understand it doesn't necessarily mean I either believe or don't believe. It means that I need to figure out exactly what it is. Um, I've had experiences where I have, in my own mind, uh, I'm 100% certain where I have either been touched by something that wasn't really there. Um, I have had uh, sensory experiences such as uh, smell. I've smelled things that shouldn't be in the room. And probably the most unusual was actually in a haunted building in a major theme park. I bet you know which one that is, actually. And uh, where I, I walked into a room of a kitchen, it was a kitchen, and all of the pans were swinging. And I was the only person in the building. So there are things that have happened to me that I can't explain. I am a, let's put it this way, I'm a very cautious believer, because I will do everything I can to try to debunk something before I will say, oh yes, that was a ghost, I'm certain of it. Yeah, and, that, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on this show wasn't just because you do ghosts, it's, it's because when it comes to talking about ghosts in the game, many of them are based on um, on based on old myths and old legends, so I wanted to get an experienced haunter, someone who specializes in scaring people, to see some of these ghosts for themselves and understand it. That's one of the reasons I brought you here. But can you walk us through... How do you go from zero to scaring someone so bad they throw a beer bottle at you? That's a friend's experience, not mine. <laughs> that's that's success, actually. That's called that's called success in the Han industry. Um, I always say, you know, basically what we do in the Han industry is we we take people, we fill them with alcohol, and then we terrify them in the dark. Which means that pretty much anything that can come out of someone will. So that's that's kind of what our goal is. But basically the process is you figure out what story are you trying to tell. Uh, you take them on a journey, and you have to be able to build a sense of anticipation. You have to be able to build uh, a sense of, of foreboding. You have to convince them enough that they are outside of whatever realm they were in before they walked into the haunted attraction that uh, they could conceivably be in peril. Now, obviously... Uh, it, there is a certain suspension of disbelief in there, just like there is with any sort of theatrical performance. But you, you have to, to basically take them on a journey that gives them startle moments, moments to recover, to build a little bit more anticipation. Because let's face it, without anticipation, a startle is nothing. And and I'm a firm believer that it's it's always best to take to take things that are as close to, or to create things that are as close to true or real so that people question which parts of these of this story was real and which parts of this story was was fictional and made up i mean for example when i was doing the vault of souls in tampa um, which is a full immersive theater thing um for 3 years people would ask me which parts of this story are true and which parts are made up and it got to the point where after living it for 3 years i honestly didn't remember which ones were real and which ones were created solely for the experience and to me that's success i think i think that a a good creation um has its roots in reality because that makes it far more terrifying so I think that ties into one of the questions I was going to ask here. What type of ghost stories scare people the most? So just ones that are based on reality, probably. That's my opinion. Um, you know, the, the weird thing about fear is different things scare different people. <laughs> you know, there, there are certain people who 
are are only terrified by physical things, like being hit by a car. There are other people who are only terrified by um, demonic things, uh, people with a strong religious upbringing, for example. Um, there are some people who are only terrified by ghosts. There are some people who are only terrified by giant monsters that fly down from above. And there are also people who look at every single one of those and go, well, that's lame. That doesn't scare me at all. So fear is very difficult to pinpoint as far as specifically what content scares the most people. I think the, the ghost stories that scare the most people are the ones that have a good plot line, are the ones that get you involved and get you to give up just a little bit of reality so you can actually believe that this ghost story could indeed be real or real for you. All right, so this is the next one, because I'm not the person who scares. When I worked for Hollow Scream, uh, I was the one of the guides. I loved getting people to get scared. Why do people like it? I, I never understood why people like being scared. I, I, I don't get it. It's, it's an adrenaline rush. I mean, it, the, the people who enjoy, who enjoy getting scared are usually adrenaline junkies. So if you think about it, they're the same kinds of people who enjoy rock climbing. They're the same kinds of people who enjoy whitewater rafting, usually. Although I will tell you, there are people who will whitewater raft who won't go through a haunted house. So again, it just depends on what kind of adrenaline rush you're looking for. Um, it's the same reason. It's the same reason roller coasters are popular. They they elevate your heart rate. They they put you in a state of um, fabricated danger that you may feel as though oh gosh something is going to happen. But there's still that that suspension of disbelief. There's still that thought of I'm still safe. I know that I can either use the safe word or I can walk out an emergency exit and everything goes back to normal. So I, I think it's the opportunity to get as close to danger as possible without being in, in actual peril. All right, so this last one I wanted to ask you before we get to the Pokemon stuff. Is there a favorite haunted area or local ghost store you've um, you heard that's always stuck with you, and did it ever influence your work? Uh, I think one of my favorites, and not necessarily because it's the scariest, but because I, I have actually experienced it, and it is it almost gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Here in the Tampa in the Tampa Bay area, at the Tampa Theater, there is uh, an ongoing legend of the ghost of the projectionist, who actually is the guy you know who sits in the back and, and used to change the reels on the old films. Um, obviously, with digital film, you don't need to or digital projection, you don't need to do that anymore. But um, he he was an unusual man, very dedicated to his work. But the thing that is most interesting about this particular manifestation of paranormal activity is he is he was known for wearing a very specific aftershave, um, which was very popular in the, I believe it was 30s and 40s when he was working there. And it has this uh, lilac scent to it. It was lilac water. And people have reported for many, 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 many years being back at the back of the balcony and they will report smelling lilac water or the scent of lilacs, and they don't quite understand why. Oh, that's creepy. And uh, no, that's creepy. <laughs> so it's it's I've and I've never I've experienced it. I've been back there uh, during one of the paranormal investigations, and I did indeed smell it. And I never felt terrified by it, but it really opened up the possibility of what could be. Um, you know, Tampa Theater is is believed to be. Uh, either the most or one of the most haunted buildings in Tampa. And there are at least five different spirits that have been reported there multiply, uh, in multiple sightings or experiences. But the most popular is 
the scent of uh, of the projectionist. So it's uh, it's a creepy story. Um, actually, one of my favorites was one of the people that uh, works there. Her husband just doesn't believe at all, and he went through a ghost story. And he was in the back of the balcony. And after he left, he said, "That's amazing. What do you use, like scent machines back there or something?" Oh. And she looked at him and oh, said, no. no, we don't do that. There's, there is nothing fake about that. Did you smell something? And he paused for a moment and he said, yeah, I think I did. So it's, it's one of those, this, this, this apparition, this, this paranormal entity has appeared, um, to multiple people, even those who, who don't believe. Wow. That's. Yeah, you know, I live in this area, and now I know, hey, my brother loves going to that theater, so I'm just going to tell them that, like, hey, Miguel, when you're watching Gone with the Wind or Casablanca for the 30th time, take a whiff. Just smell. <laughs> yeah, just, just smell, and especially if you're sitting near the back balcony. That, that is where you will, you will experience it. If you want to smell what a 1940s projection just smell like, just scratch and sniff right here in this room <laughs> right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a good thing you work alone, right? Yeah, good thing. I mean, good. Now, again, thank you so much again, so for putting this expertise in because this is where it's going to get fun so we're going to go ahead and move on to our next bit so just hang on one tight let's let the segment thing play okay and we're back all right so here's the thing there all the people listening here are pokemon fans so let's just catch you up to speed Pokemon in the game where you capture monsters and fight with them to become the very best like no one ever was i have just caught you up on all you need to know. There are many different monsters, but there's an entire, they're, they're broken down into categories, and one of the categories is called the ghost types. Ghost types are typically going to be creatures that are based on myth and legend, uh, but a lot of them are based on what are called yokai. So have you ever heard of a yokai before? I have heard of a yokai, but I'm not, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, that's fine. With a yokai, what it is, is it's basically Japanese superstition, that is, it's closer to something like our Bigfoot and our ghost stories than it is to like all oh, these ancient spirits. Some of them are relatively new, others are just based on old witches, monsters, different areas. It's a whole massive thing. But I still wanted to show you some of these ghosts and get the opinion of an actual ghost writer, someone who actually does this stuff, to hear it. So this is where the fun part comes in. Okay. I want you to go ahead, and the email I sent you with the ones that are just titled, I want you to go ahead and open up Ghost 1. And what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to t- I'm going to ask your opinions on them. I'm going to tell you what those ghosts are. And uh, the people are listening are going to just try to guess, like, what ghost did you send him, this ghost writer? Like, yeah, you can all probably guess the first one. But let's see what he thinks. Open them up. Okay, let's see. Ghost 1. So so this is actually three images. Look sort of like a, a transition. Yes, it is. So this is actually the first ghost Pokemon. The first one is called Ghastly as in spelled like gas, and then Lee. Middle one is Haunter, and the third one is Gengar. Okay. These are the first three ghosts that ever appeared in the game. So the first thing I think of when I see these is some sort of transition or metamorphosis through um, through the world of, of all things dark and evil. Um, I love, I actually, I find the first one the most compelling, which is just sort of the orb with the eyes and the, the gaseous cloud around it. I think that's, I think that's, to me, that's that. It's almost like the dark version of um, ghost photography orbs. You know, sometimes when people are on paranormal investigations, they'll actually be able to photograph. They're usually white, uh, but sometimes they're gray, and sometimes, in very rare occasions, they're actually black. And they're orbs that you don't really see, except in photographs. 
So here's the fun part about Pokemon. Every Pokemon comes with the description of the game. So I have the descriptions for these ones, at least some of them. So Ghastly, the first one you're looking at, it's poisonous gas compromises 95% of its body. It's said that the remaining 5% is made up of souls of those who have died from the gas. Oh, I love that. That's a kid's game. <laughs> that's, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, it's, so, it's, is- so it's basically it's basically this, this giant giant ball of flatulence that just destroys and and devours <laughs> the souls of the people that it comes in contact with. I love that. Guys, he's already confirmed it. It's a fart. Ghastly the fart. We're done here. <laughs> I've, I've insulted everybody at once. Well, that's what's going to, you know, that's what's going to happen. And that's why you put me on the spot like this. I just know it because I'm going to see these and, and go, that's a ghost. You know, something, something's going to come up that I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely thrown by. Oh, wait till we get to ghost four. Okay. All right, so Haunter is the middle one. So its tongue is made of gas. Everything it licks, the victim starts shaking violently until death eventually comes. So that's the middle form. So death by licking. Got it. Death by licking. Yes, yes. And then the third one is the most powerful and one of the most popular. It's called Gengar. So this one is a bit of a longer one. Should you feel yourself attacked by a sudden chill, it is evidence of an approaching Gengar. And this is a, there is no escaping it. Give up. (laughs) I like that. That's literally like the scientific thing for the game of like, oh, this is a scientific talk. Give up and run. Yeah. Here's, what advice would you give me? Give up, you know. Yeah. Oh, so here's the thing. The other part is, it apparently wishes for a traveling companion. Since it was once human itself, it tries to create one by taking the lives of other humans. You know, there's nothing like a murderous children's game. I'm just saying. I love that. (laughs) I mean, no, there really isn't. I I love, everyone loves Gengar. He's one of those, he's very strong in the game, very fast. And again, he's been around for over 20 years. He's one of everyone's favorites. And again, I wanted I, I had to start with these three because they are the pinnacle of Ghost. I, I believe, if I'm correct, in Japanese, they literally just named Haunter the Japanese word for Ghost. It is it's just called Ghost. Well, there you go. It's, it's like if you had like a T-Rex and you just named it Dinosaur. Like it would be just <laughs> that. This so that is, was our this first is one. That vicious character, Dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that was our first one. That was like the, um, this is the relative normal. Let's go to a little bit weirder. I want you to go ahead and open up Ghost 2. Okay, let's see if I have these in the right order. So Ghost 2 um, appears to be, uh, I have no idea what the hell this is, Um, appears to be two images um, that look almost balloon-like. Yep. Um, So so, guys, I, I sent him Drift Balloon and Drift Blimp. Those are actually ghosts in the game. Okay, so so it's interesting because these actually look almost inviting to me. They they don't really look that threatening, which may be the danger. I don't know, but because quite often, you know, with a lot of ghost stories, um, a lot of ghost stories and and mythology is based on having a certain beautiful quality or a certain alluring quality, so that you can tempt people in. Um, but I will say that these guys don't particularly look look threatening to me. So, in fact, one of them has hearts for hands. So what the heck yeah, is that? that's Drifloom. Okay, so this is actually, if you read the decks, of the, that's our short for the Pokedex, it has, um, these are actually one of the more terrifying ones of what <laughs> they can do. So you're right. They, they just, well, they just, I would be like, oh, look, it's so cute. Let me go up and just poke it in the cheeks and it'll go, <laughs> you know, but uh, something tells me that's not what's going to happen. So here's Drift Bloom, the one with the little heart handles, the one that looks like a little hot, little balloon you give the kids. Stories go that it grabs the hands of small children and grabs them away to the afterlife. 
Oh, here's the last line. It dislikes heavy children. Well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's a gaseous balloon. It, it has to lift harder if, it, if the kids are heavy. So this ghost in the game tries to look cute there you to go. grab children and take them to the afterlife. There you go. There you go. But then it evolves and changes into Drift Blim. And instead, it's here, once it gets bigger, the raw material for its gas inside its body is souls. When its body starts to deflate, it's thought to carry away people and Pokemon. Gotcha. So, so it even it even carries away Pokemon souls. Yes, it is literally just fueled on souls, and it's able to survive just based on that. So I, I'm starting again, to see a theme right. here. Some ghosts look inviting, and other and then just try and eat you. It's actually more dangerous. It might be almost as dangerous as Ghastly with just the poisonous gas because you just have your kids getting picked up and flown off who yeah. knows where. Hey, mommy, look! I found a balloon. Timmy, no! Not again! <laughs> Let oh. go! But their hearts! You know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> messed up. It, it, I love it, is, it. But again, for kids. <laughs> oh yes, no, for they... kids who get who get swept away. But again, the truth of the matter is, you know, even all kinds of folklore for children, even before there were video games, you, you read all of, of, you know, the fairy tales. They're all about... They're morality tales. They're teaching children, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Um, or they're teaching illiterates, don't do this, don't do that. And have been used to sort of, um, how can I say this delicately, manage human behavior, um, try to, you know, threaten people into behaving appropriately. So this is obviously along the same lines, just, just don't take heart-handed uh, heart balloons for granted, I think, is really where it's going. No. Yeah, well, be, well said. You should make a parable about that. Like, just that—that that should be your next story. Your next story should literally be about a kid getting taken by balloons. I yeah, exactly. I mean, it's this is this is more terrifying than the the red balloon from it. I gotta say. <laughs> uh, funny enough, there are several Pokemon that people would consider clowns in this game, but we're not going to get into them. <laughs> they're way too scary for this program. Okay, good, good, because they're you know so, clowns. Clowns are the most feared profession in the world right now, so I understand that. You know, I feel I felt assassin would be higher up, but shows that I know. Well, yeah, but I think people think if it's an assassin, I know it's an assassin. If it's a clown, it could be an assassin. I just don't mm. know. That the yeah, it's too too tricky. You can never you never, never know. Never really know. I know. All right, so I wanted to go ahead and open up image three. Image three. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> so here we have. Um, uh, okay, uh, we, we, we're, we're in the botanical range here. Um, mm -hmm. We've got some, uh, we've got what appears to be a sapling, and then probably my favorite so far, which is this giant, wicked, evil tree thing, which I'm assuming, you know, dips its roots in, I don't know what, souls, perhaps? I, um, but it, it's it's nice, because I really like the idea of, of sort of embodying... Uh, nature and being able to take it over and take control of it. I mean, as far back as, as like the Wizard of Oz, for example, with the, the evil trees, or for those for those folks who are old enough to remember the old Sid and Marty Croft TV shows, they always had talking trees that were wicked and evil. So, uh, I, so it's I, I like this as far as ghosts inhabiting like wood spirits and that sort of thing. That's very very common in in Asian culture and certainly um, Asian ghost mythology. So I can see where this would totally fit in. Man, you are on the nose on one of those. So let me get with Phantom, the little one first. This is actually considered the saddest ghost story in the Pokemon world. Okay. So 
After a lost child perishes in the forest, their spirit possesses a tree stump, causing the spirit's rebirth as this Pokemon. With a voice like a human child, it cries out to lure adults deep into the forest, getting them lost among the trees. See, I love that. And the reason I love that is because I'm, I'm a firm believer that even in the, in the scariest of moments, there has to be a moment of pathos or compassion. Um, and if you, can, if you can feel sorry for the most wicked or evil thing, then they have so much more control over you. And I think that, that utilizing especially a child um, and the spirit of a child to, to act as a, a lure or a trap, I think, that's, I think that's brilliant. I think that's really great conceptualizing. People have actually drawn art, have drawn art, drawn art of um of people of like a child getting lost in the woods of the Pokemon world, like sleeping in a gnarled stump, and then he wakes up and there's a trainer, someone there, and instead of like just like ignoring it and running away, he takes the Pokemon with him on his adventure. So they actually give it a kind story to him instead of just like you know what you're not going to kill adults, you're going to come with me and help fight other Pokemon, and we're going to be the best and I'll cook you meals and stuff. So oh, that's cool. What so what what does a ghost uh, a, a tree stump ghost eat? I mean that would be my next question. Uh, survey says souls. Okay, got it. Souls. Got it. So when I so I'm going to I'm going to cook you food, but it will be made of souls. Yes, I mean if you consider it, maybe beef and all the other meats have a bit of soul in them. Maybe you know, or or maybe it's fish. It could be fillet of soul. It could be. Could be. It, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So the uh, the other one, Trevenant, you got it pretty square on the nose. So this Pokemon controls trees via roots stretching from its feet, and it will attack anyone that dares to ravage the forest. People fear it due to a belief that it devours any who try and cut down trees in its forest, but to Pokemon, it shares its woods with its kind. And it's, it's pretty kind. To, it's kind to other Pokemon, but if you try and mess up its forest, it will destroy you. Got it. Got it. So, so this is the ultimate tree hugger, is what you're telling me. Uh, yeah, more like tree stabber. You go near its tree, it stabs you. Got it. Okay, okay. But would hug other trees. Uh, yeah, it would hug other trees, other Pokemon, any sort of thing. It's not, it's not too picky on the whole matter. It's, it, but, but it's so it's not really an offensive kind of thing. It's more of a defensive action there. Yeah, it's more like don't mess with the woods or I'll destroy you, which is pretty. Fair and reasonable. I, I mean, if Captain Planet has taken more like a defensive stance, maybe the world would be a better place. Maybe if he'd actually just, you know, started attacking oil rigs. Or if, but, if, or if Captain Planet were a, a giant evil tree, maybe that would have helped. Oh, that would have been a really more interesting show. But yeah, <laughs> I like the fact that this Pokemon, um, it may look more evil and dark, but it's actively trying to keep the forest safe. There are other entries that say that if you're a lumberjack, you have to bring a Pokemon that can produce fire. And otherwise, you're never going to make it out of those woods alive. Got it. So Yeah, so they actually added in part of their profession. All right, so this next one is um, probably my favorite, because one of my favorites in terms of humor. So I want you to go ahead and open ghost number four. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so what I'm... If I have these in the... I think I have these in the right order. Um, th this is... Uh, th okay, so this appears... To be that that dreaded sort of sandcastle ghost. Uh, <laughs> this, I'm glad you. Yeah. I love this. So this is uh, it, okay. So there have been many horror films that are based on that are based on beaches other than Jaws. Okay, and um, <clears throat> all too often these wonderful horror films have these creatures that either live under the sand or um, are made up of sand. 
and they will actually, as you walk across the sand, they will actually open up and suck people in and then spit up blood. And it's, it, was, it was done in the late 60s and early 70s as a cheap way to do monster movies without doing great big monsters, because all they needed was beach and the ability to make it look like the sand was funneling out. So that's what this reminds me of right off the bat. I love the fact that it has a shovel in its head. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about that that, that says, you know... Uh, it can be it can be it can mean one of two things it can mean you can either kill it by sticking a shovel in its head or it uses the shovel as a way to say hey come dig me you know and and then it turns on you it's very similar to the balloon pokemon in that regard so sandy geist is the name of the first one the little one sandy Uh, geist sandy geist yeah It, it, it takes control of anyone who puts its hand, a hand in its mouth, and so it adds to the accumulation of sand mount, of its sand-mounted body. So what it does is you get mind control, you take the shovel off, and you start packing on more sand to it, making it bigger. Got it. Got it. So, so- eventually, it turns into pal- palo sand. So this one, the bigger one now, possesses people control... Possessed people controlled by this Pokemon transform its sand mount into a castle. As it evolves, its power to curse grows even stronger. Buried beneath the castle are masses of dried up bones from those whose vitality has it has drained. Fun. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I like that. No, so that's that sort of ties into that great sort of catacomb myth where you've got because burial grounds, again, great places for ghosts, and I like ghosts that actually create their own burial grounds. So that's that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, again, it's one of those like sillier Pokemon that people don't like see as a like true Pokemon, but it's like it, it, like people love this thing. It's such a weird goofy. They've made plush toys out of this thing. It's oh, I can one see of that. my favorite little buggers. Yeah, I can see that. I like the fact that, you know, it it, it takes it takes over your mind when you stick your hand in its mouth. Yeah, it, it's really literally a spirit designing itself to get kids to help it out, to build it. Yeah, I mean, are there really any other characters or creatures in the world of either Pokemon or anywhere else, really, that takes over your mind when you stick your hand in its mouth? Nothing that I can say on this PG-related <laughs> show, no. <laughs> I can't think of anything either. I no, There's, there's, something, there's I, something wonderfully wicked about that. I mean, the, only, the most wicked thing I can think of in nature is the spores that take over animals' brains, but they don't really, you just kind of have to breathe those in. I guess it could be through your mouth. Well, so yeah, but you take but, over your brain, make you do things. I, I guess I don't know, but you, do you have to put your hand in anything to get those spores to be released? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think ants have hands. It usually affects them. Hmm. Yeah. I don't. Anywho, know. anywho, this last one is um. This is the last series of ghosts because I I could do this all night, but I can't. Uh, all right, so I want you to open up Ghost A first, and then I want you to open up Ghost B second. Like, just let's get through A first. A first. Okay. Yes, five A. So this is, um, oh, I love this one. I love this one because it reminds me of actually one of my abs, one of my favorite movies. Um, so this appears to be, uh, some sort of ghost or series of ghosts that takes over, um, technology or, um, uh, things that have been man-made or built because there seems to be different sorts of, 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 uh, what am I? What am I trying to say? Different sorts of, of machines that uh, that do different things, and and I absolutely, I absolutely love the idea of sentient machines. I think that's really cool. So these are these appear to be ghosts that take over, um, take over machines that that may be in use or could possibly be used, and then my guess is they probably 
get the power they need from someone's souls. I don't know. So <laughs> you're pretty close on it. So its name is Rotom or Rotom, depends on who you ask. Um, its electric body can enter some kinds of machines and take control in order to cause mischief. So instead of trying to kill people or take their souls, it literally just feeds off electricity and takes over appliances. So the actual Pokemon is in the middle, that middle simple one. Yes. And then in the game, they give you a series of appliances for it to possess and take the form of. Each one of them has similar attacks, but their abilities uh, their abilities are relatively the same, but they get different kinds of attacks. For example, the one based on the washing machine is actually used a lot competitively. And so you're literally going to the battle with this giant dragon-like monster and a washing machine, and it's that kind of surrealism you just can't make up. <laughs> No, I, that's, I, that's, that, I'm going to, I'm going to wash you into the ground. I no, I call know. mine the stain remover, because it usually go. just wipes out parts of the other team, and it, it's, it's quite fun. So what's but, the one, what's the one to the left, like straight across to the left of that, that sort of looks like a toaster with crab claws? A toaster with crab claws? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little oven. It literally learns an attack called overheat, where it literally just blasts out heat from it, so it's really cool. So it's like, it's like easy bake oven from hell. Is... Yeah, effectively. Got the it. lawnmower one shoots off like bl- shoots off chunks of grass and leaves that it just found. The refrigerator one turns it up on high and starts freezing things, and then the fan blows a hurricane at you. So yeah. All ha- now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's effective. <laughs> yeah, it works out. They're all really cool and they're really fun. Then they added to the game that was like a new element of you can go up to these appliances and just let the Pokemon take it over, but. As the game progressed, the game realized that there was something else you could do with them as well. I want you to go ahead and open up five, the other one, the last one. The last one. <laughs> oh, see, that would be the end of most people at this point. When uh, when your your cell phone becomes possessed, um, that that would just be the end of, of civilization as we know it. So in this game, in the newest game that came out, Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, every character in the game has a Rotom, but they don't use it for fighting. Instead, they have them in their technology. So they put the Rotom into the phone, and now the phone can operate itself, it can float, it can travel around you, it does all this great stuff for you because the Pokemon is in there helping you out. So it's I wanted to show you this concept because it's the idea of taking a ghost and actually using it to benefit mankind. So, so, so basically yeah. it's like iPhone 23. Pretty much, yeah. Except without the evil intent of bringing back Steve Jobs to life. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe actually, that's how it happens. Is is Steve Jobs? They find a way to contain his actual essence or spirit, and and infuse it into every single phone. You're just trying to be real helpful. Don't worry about it. There is literally a character in the game. He's one of the the one of the guy the main guys you have to fight. He literally takes a selfie like every time he's about to do a fight, and the camera is literally floating as he does it. So he takes like the most amazing selfies in the game, which shows you the generation this game is pandering to. Absolutely. I, abs- that- I absolutely love the idea of taking a ghost, taking a spirit that's supposed to be malicious, and then turning it into something that can benefit humanity. I don't think there's anything more human than taking something terrifying and using it for your advantage. My best example is horses. Well, <laughs> or dolphins. But the other... Oh, oh, you know my weak point. No. <laughs> no. Not here. It burns. Get them away. <laughs> well, no, it's funny because I've often wondered now, you know, they there's always been a theory that if the ultimate evil uh, came 
to this plane of existence, it would never come in the form of a horned demon. It would always come with the wings of an angel. So I'm wondering if somewhere down the, the evolutionary process of, of this particular game or this particular character, that once it has now inhabited everyone's cell phone, that all of a sudden it turns evil. Wouldn't that be interesting? Ooh, that would be fun. Just that, They all just start attacking everybody. Exactly. I feel like Pokemon can sometimes not have the strongest stories, but I honestly feel that would be an amazing story. Just like, oh yeah, all the Pokemon we've literally had in our pockets, yeah, they decided that they don't like us anymore. They're just going to eat our children, take our souls. Yeah, and, and pile bones underneath the sand. I mean, there you go. Or just carry your children away. They can fly. Oh my gosh, that would be so great. Some kids taking a selfie and it's just like floating up with it. Like, <laughs> let go, Timmy. No, have to add filter. And you see, and you just see the, the, the ground getting smaller and smaller as the child's face goes from smiling to terror. You know, <laughs> he's just, he's just Facebook living the whole thing. <laughs> I think way too much about this stuff, don't I? It's terrifying. Yeah, we all do. It's fine. It's why we're friends. <laughs> so. Before we um, do uh, the wrap-up stuff, usually when we have interviews, we always ask people if there is a um, if there is a thing in their field that they would like to see made into a Pokemon. And I know you don't know as much, but is there any – in your time learning about folklore and myth and legend, do you think there would be any kind of mythology or myth that you would like to see turned into – Something kids would actually get the chance to play with. Because I think that's one of the strongest suits, is getting to meet some of these animals or some of these creatures that you would have never heard about unless you had actually played these games. Gosh. Um, well, it sounds like you've got a lot of them, that just based on what we've talked about here tonight, a lot of them are covered. Um, I, uh, I, Just because, again, I think it's such a terrifying story. I think um, things like, and I'm going to mispronounce it because I always do, but uh, is it is it La Llorona? Is it the the witch that waits by the the uh, the rivers and abducts children? Ooh, that is a good one. Um, so mm-hmm. either that or Baba Yaga. Um, I think that I think that when you've got witches that that abduct children, I think I find that personally terrifying. And I also think that since this is targeted at a teen tween and uh, and above audience, um, I think that it would give kids the opportunity to have mastery and control over those things that could have been especially terrifying when they were younger. So um, I think any sort of, of child-stealing witch would be really intriguing. And it, some of it is already there, as we've already discussed here. Um, but I just think that that could be, I think that could be fun, and especially if it was, um, you know, uh, sort of <clears throat> lovely and beautiful princess that all of a sudden transforms into hideous, soul-eating, bone-burying demon. I think that could be fun. Oh, that would be really cool. So there is a new one that was added that is a witch called Hatrini, and she's more based on the old idea of Celtic witches living in the forest and then attacking you if you come anywhere near them. It's one of those... There are witches, but nothing like a child-stealing witch. I feel that would be a lot of fun to have it be like, first it's a sweet old lady... And then it has an ability where, after a certain set of turns, it turns into this horrifying monstrosity. I exactly. think that would be a lot of fun to play with. Yep, yep. I think that could. I think that could be really fun. So, as we're wrapping up, where can people <clears throat> learn more about what you do? Get in contact with what you do. I, I want people to be able to, if they're interested in this sort of stuff, get in contact with you or at least learn more about what you do. Great. Well, probably the easiest way is to go to my website, which is scottswenson.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-S-W-E-N-S-O-N dot com. And that's got links to my books, to projects that I'm working on, to artwork that I've done. Um, 
and you can just sort of you know play around, hit the hit the different the different tabs on the side. Um, I am going to be appearing at a couple of haunted attraction shows. If anybody you know has a crossover to that, I will be at at HauntCon in New Orleans coming up uh, in January, and then in March. Um, I will be at the uh, Transworld Christmas and Halloween show as well, and that's in St. Louis. But to catch up on anything and everything that I'm doing, including my own podcast, which is called The Scott in the Dark, um, you can visit scottswenson.com and click on the links and, and find out. You can reach me through the website. You can find out what I'm doing and learn more about what it is to be a, uh, a haunted attraction consultant. All right, man. Thank you again. I you are the first guest we've had on this program where you're not Pokemon related. I think it was fun. I had a great time. Hopefully we can have, if we find, if we want to do this again, I've got more ghosts. I can keep this up. I love it. Yeah. I would love to do this again. This has been a blast and I learned so much because, you know, let's face it. I'm old. I'm not involved with Pokemon, but I want to say this was really cool. And I love the fact that this game has, has embraced folklore and embraced, um, the possibility of what can be. So it's really another way of telling really imaginative stories. So I'm all in. All right. Thank you so much, Scott. Have a great rest of your night. See you later. All right, guys. So that was our episode. Again, if you liked it, great. Let us know. We'll go ahead and we'll do other ones like this. We'll bring Scott back. If you didn't like it, that's fine, too. Again, I wanted your guys' opinion. This is experimental content, so obviously... It's going to be a little bit different for everybody. So, hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Hope you guys enjoy our next new episode. Bye.